Caroline, thank you, uh, and Ban, thank you for leading us so well. Precious moments, aren't they? To proclaim together who our God is, but too to declare who we are. We are loved by God. That's who we are. We are children who are loved by an amazing God, a Father who knows how to give good gifts. Well, today is the day when we wrap up our little teaching series, and if you've been with us over the last five or so weeks, you'll know that we've been looking at this captivating story, the story of Elijah as it's captured in the book of 1 Kings in the Old Testament. Elijah was an Old Testament prophet. He was quirky. He was a little bit unusual, and I'm not just describing Clive, who preached last weekend, but... We wrap up Elijah this weekend, and next weekend we get onto a brand new teaching series, and it's going to be called Eat, Drink, Talk. Eat, Drink, Talk. My favorite three things to do in life, eating, drinking, coffee that is, and talking. Well, let me quickly remind you of the context that we find our scripture reading in today. Elijah is living in dark times under the leadership of the most evil king, Ahab, who has ever reigned. And God's people are in a pretty wretched place. They've Uh, wandered away from God, they've backslidden, they've been worshipping idols, they've lived in utter compromise. But here's the thing, God has not given up on them. You see, that's in the nature of our God. He doesn't give up on us even when we're far away from us. He's seen all of my failures and yet he still calls me friend. He's seen all of your failures and he still says, you're my child and I'm your heavenly father. God's grace runs incredibly deep. So God is in his latest rescue mission of his people, and he's raised up this man, Elijah, to be his mouthpiece. And he's called out the wickedness of King Ahab and his awful, warful, whoreful wife, Jezebel. Do you see what I did there? 25 minutes that took. Awful, warful, whoreful wife, Jezebel. And all the time he's calling out the wickedness of the king. He's calling God's people back to himself to be in relationship. But it's fair to say that Elijah's words, which are God's words spoken through Elijah's mouth, have not made Elijah the most popular chap on the planet. Now, if you were to plot Elijah's ministry, his life experience on a graph, it would show some incredible highs where God has done miraculous things through the ministry of Elijah. But two, it would show some incredible lows where Elijah's found himself being despondent and even feeling depressed. Now, as you look at the graph, Elijah's life is not a flat line, is it? It's got peaks and it's got troughs. But then actually, whose life is ever lived as a flat line? In so many ways, Elijah's geography at the different points along the way of his journey of faith are a reflection of his highs and his lows. In fact, Elijah's geography at the various points provide us with a beautiful metaphor at those points of his journey of of faith. He starts off in the wilderness. He ends up on a mountain, if you remember. He ends up back in the wilderness. Then he finds himself in a cave. That was last weekend. And today he finds himself back on a mountain and then being sent back into the wilderness. Can you see how these different geographical points are a metaphor to describe his life at those points? And at various points in the journey between these literal and these metaphorical locations, his life experience is punctuated with with audiences with kings and queens and royalty. You remember he's encountered absolute nobodies, unknown people, and he's encountered nobody. There's been times when he's been absolutely isolated and alone. 
Amazing encounters contrasted with periods of intense loneliness. The highs and the lows of faith, the spiritual highs and the spiritual crashes. Elijah's life experience of faith is something of a a yo-yo experience. And I just wonder whether or not you can relate to Elijah's yo-yo journey of faith. I know I can. There are points when I live the absolute high life spiritually, and there are points where I crash, and often those two things come together. Life can be a yo-yo. But from our scripture verses this morning, this is what I hope you'll discover. I hope you'll discover that God is greater than your highs or your lows. That God is greater than your highs or your lows. Now, given all the miraculous stuff that's been happening along the way with Elijah, you would imagine that as we encounter Elijah today, he'd be floating on cloud nine. In fact, that he'd be floating on cloud nine for the whole of his ministry. Do you remember the story? He challenged an evil, powerful king concerning the righteousness of God. He's been miraculously fed by ravens. Let me tell you, you get a much quicker delivery from ravens than you do deliveroo. And then there's the baking miracle. Remember that with the widow, the oil and the flour just wouldn't run out and they kept on baking biscuits together. And then suddenly the widow's son dies. He becomes lifeless. And Elijah is involved in bringing this young lad back to life. Now that doesn't happen every day in my ministry. I wonder if it happens in yours. Throughout, uh, Elijah successfully dodged Jezebel, the, the king's wicked wife's schemes, and he's experienced firsthand the protection of God. Do you remember the episode where he mocked the false gods with uh, that amazing story that happened where he doused the fire in water, and then he quite literally calls down fire from heaven, and then rain comes from heaven. Elijah calls on these things, and God delivers, and they happen. Now, I would argue that is not a bad season in the life of a prophet. If that happened in the life of CBC, I can tell you there'd be standing room only here at church on a Sunday morning. Miraculous provision, miraculous protection, miraculous God, miserable prophet. It kind of just doesn't add up, does it? You add up all of those things, you would expect something a bit different. And as we rejoin the story today, we're going to pick up from where Clive finished last weekend. And if you remember, Elijah is in a literal cave, but two, he's in a metaphorical cave. He's depressed, he's despondent, he's devastated, he's delusioned, and he's dismally dissatisfied. Let me tell you, that's difficult descriptive dialogue directly describing demanding days. That sentence took an hour. Please appreciate it. Thank you, Ruth. But I want you to notice what happens today in Elijah's story. God calls Elijah out of his cave and invites him to stand on a mountaintop. But what you'll discover this morning in the story is that as it progresses, God will not allow Elijah to get stuck on the mountaintop because that is not where ordinary life is lived out. But instead, he sends him back into the ordinary, having first equipped Elijah with a fresh portion of hope, and that makes all of the difference. Well, if you've got a Bible, turn with me to um, 1 Kings chapter 19. If you haven't, don't worry. I just want to quickly dip back into where we were last week, but keep your Bibles open because we're going to continue reading the story. It says this, there he went, this is Elijah, into a cave and he spent the night there. And the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Verse 10, chapter 19, he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars and they've put your prophets to death with a sword. And now I am the only one left. 
I'm the only one left who's faithfully living for you, God, and now they're trying to kill me too. And then the Lord said to him, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Did you hear the promise? Go and stand there because the Lord is about to pass by. But at this moment, Elijah is about as anti-enthusiastic as he could possibly be. In fact, he's so anti-enthusiastic. Do you remember verse 4 last weekend? He wished himself dead. Now, the word enthusiasm comes from two Greek words that when you smash them together and directly translate them, mean full of God. That's the literal translation of the word enthusiasm, to be full of God. But as we come to Elijah today, he's not full of God. He's not enthusiastic. That is until we, uh, as we will discover in a moment, he hears the quietest of whispers from the living God. And I just wonder for you today whether or not you need to have that kind of encounter yourself today. I wonder if today you find yourself lacking in, fullness, uh, in the fullness of God, in enthusiasm. Maybe you need to hear today, God just whisper something in your ear. You see, as God speaks to Elijah today, Elijah is almost suicidal with disappointment and self-pity, a certain amount of self-pity, and he gives voice to the state of his heart. I've had enough, Lord. Would you please take my life? I'm no better than my ancestors. They were a rubbish lot. I'm a rubbish lot too. And by the way, God, I'm the only one left who's faithfully living for you, and they're trying to kill me because I'm the only faithful one. But the truth is, Elijah couldn't have been more wrong. He'd believed the lie that Satan had sown into his life. If you read on to verse 18, which we'll get to in a moment, God says this. He says, I reserve 7,000, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouth have not kissed him. You see, this wasn't the end of God's plan for humanity. And Elijah wasn't the only one left living faithfully. God's plan and purpose had no means been lost. In fact, as we discover, there were 7,000 other faithful, faith-filled, enthusiastic, full of God, passionate, committed followers of God who were still in existence, but Elijah thought he was the only one. And God is at great pains here to point out that whilst Elijah's exhaustion and mood were to some extent understandable because of the response of God's people, in fact, he had no business being where he was, literally or metaphorically. I love the repeated refrain in the story. God repeatedly says to Elijah, the same question in chapter 19, Elijah, what are you doing here? It comes again in a minute. Elijah, what are you doing here? Now, I have the sense that God's inquiry of Elijah here wasn't so much about his geographical location, but rather it was a challenge to his overwhelming sense of frustration and resignation. Elijah, what are you doing here? Can you imagine for a moment how annoying that question must have been to Elijah? I imagine it's a bit like a teacher who's persistently chasing the same pupil around the school, saying to them, Brockway, what are you doing in the toilets? Go back to class. Brockway, what are you doing in the bike shed? You were just in the toilets. Go back to class. Brockway, get out the stationary cupboard. That was my favorite place. Get out the stationary cupboard and go back to class. You see, Elijah was in the place where he shouldn't have been. And God persistently has to ask Elijah the same question because God wanted Elijah to realize that his ministry was but one episode in a very long-running story of God's mission. 
And I want to remind us this morning that here as we gather in 2023 in Christchurch, we too are part of something that's got continuity with Elijah's story and with the past, but also we're an essential link today that will enable mission and ministry to happen on into the future. And here's this morning's good news. God's story will end in triumph. It will not end in tragedy. It will be God. It will not be Satan who has the last word in time and history. And that's exactly what God needed Elijah to hear this morning. And I think there's a valuable lesson here from Elijah. It's this, is that you and I are rarely in the best position to estimate our own effectiveness. When you think you've been really successful and you've won, well, don't be so sure. When you think you've failed, well, let God render the final verdict, because often it's in our weakness that God uses us to be his strength. Do you know, it's no surprise to me at all that Elijah's greatest victory and his greatest defeat are coming back to back here. That's how it always happens. If you've had a success in the mission and the ministry of God, then watch your back, because you you might well have a defeat coming just tomorrow. That's how spiritual warfare works works. And I sense God would say to Elijah this morning, do you know, it's not a sin to feel discouraged, Elijah. You should be discouraged at all that's going on. Elijah, it's not a sin to feel depressed. And we need to hear that this morning. It's not a sin to feel depressed. But it's what we do when we are discouraged. It's what we do when we are depressed and feeling hopeless that really matters. Even when, especially when we're in a tough place, There's a challenge for us, and it's this, is to listen to the small, quiet voice of God. Because God always speaks. We just need to learn how to hear him. Let's read on in the story. Verse 11, the Lord said, go and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Get out the bike shed. Elijah replies, says it again, I've been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. The Israelites rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They've put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Did you notice that God speaks to Elijah in a still, small voice, in a whisper? It's with a whisper that God replaces the lie that Satan had sown into Elijah's mind that Elijah had come to believe with God's truth. He does it with a whisper, with a still, small voice. But actually, as I put myself in Elijah's shoes, I'm not actually sure that's what Elijah would have been expecting in this moment. When you think back about his story, as we've thought about it for the last five or so weeks, Elijah's experience has been really dramatic with God, hasn't it? It's been a a bit of a journey of extremes. He calls down fire. He's been raising the dead. He's been calling down rain. He's experienced the miraculous provision of God. But God is not only all of that. Sometimes God speaks in a still, small voice. 
But I can imagine Elijah here is he obediently comes out of the cave to go and meet with God. He's probably thinking to himself, right, God, I can see it coming. There's this incredible earthquake about to happen. God, you're going to speak to me as the ground shakes. You're going to grab my attention through this earthquake. Rumble, 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 rumble. Nothing. God doesn't speak. Okay, God, so I can see there's a blazing hot fire on its way. God, you're going to be in the fire. You're going to appear to me just like you did my ancestor Moses. I know the story. Crackle, crackle, crackle. Nothing. Okay, God, third time lucky, like God needs luck. God's going to show up in the the blowing of a mighty wind. Swirl, swirl, swirl. The mountains are split in half, and there's a deafening silence, and God doesn't speak. You see, there's a challenge in this text, and it's this, is when God is silent, when we can't hear God, in the dramatic, we need to listen for his whisper. When other dramatic circumstances are busy calling for your attention, we need to listen for his whisper. God often speaks the loudest when everything is quiet, so we need to listen for his whisper. Have you ever noticed that the word listen contains the same letters as the word silent. I wonder why. Listen again to what the Bible says from verse 11. The Lord said to him, go out and stand in the mountain in the presence of the Lord. Here's the promise, for the Lord is about to pass by. But the Lord was not in the raging wind. But the Lord was not in the drama of the earthquake. But the Lord was not in the crackle of the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper. You know, sometimes when we're at our lowest and the circumstances around us seem to be the most dramatic, God somehow speaks in his softest voice and yet he's speaking in his loudest voice at the same time. Have you ever noticed that? When we're at our lowest, God often speaks his softest. Sometimes it's just a word, it may not be much, Rarely is it an audible word where word will, will sense God speaking in some other way. It's very likely it won't be loud. But it's always exactly enough for us. When we hear the whisper of God, the still, small voice of God, he says exactly what is enough for us. And I just wonder for you today whether or not you need to hear over a circumstance that you're wrestling with that still, small voice of God. You know, the temptation is to to look at the drama, to see all of the noisy stuff that's happening and be drawn towards it. We humans get drawn towards the dramatic, don't we? There's a temptation to say to God, you know what, God, I need you to show up like a thunderbolt with me today. And we start looking for that thing. And when it doesn't happen, we say, God, you failed me and you let me down. You never showed up. Can I encourage you to listen for the still, quiet whisper of God as he says to you today over your circumstances, I'm here with you. I'm God Emmanuel. I'm God who journeys with you. I love you today. Even though yesterday was a complete muck up, I love you today. And by the way, you're forgiven. Maybe God would say to you today, do you know my grace is sufficient for you? I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you as you face the tough days that are ahead of you. I'm going to be with you. I am enough. You see, what we discover today is that sometimes we have to capture the lies of Satan 
and the lies he might have spoken to us, and we have to throw them out, and we have to replace them with the truth that God speaks. To hear God's truth, we have to listen, and when we listen, God speaks. And so often, he does it in a still, quiet, small voice. Of course, the challenge for us today, which is poking me in the ribs, is are we looking and are we listening in the right place? I know too often in my own life, I go chasing after the dramatic or I listen to the loudest voice that's speaking and that voice isn't always the voice of God. We need to listen for the whisper. But I want you to notice something from the story as I read on in a second is after we've heard the whisper, after we've heard the encouragement of God, the, the, the hope that he so often injects as we hear that whisper, you'll notice that Elijah has to do something. God doesn't send Elijah back to the cave. He doesn't say to Elijah, Elijah, stay here on this mountaintop and enjoy the wonderful view. But actually what happens is God sends Elijah back into the mission field, back into the, the wilderness using the metaphor, the place of everyday living. That's where he gets sent once he's heard the whisper. Let me read on, verse 15. The Lord said to him, Go back the way that you came, and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu king over Israel, and anoint Elisha to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. Do you see what happens? The Lord says to Elijah, go back the way that you've come. Go back to the mission that I called you to in the first place and do some anointing. Prophets are great at anointing. Splash around some oil. Hazael, I anoint you. Jehu, I anoint you. Elisha, I call you into this ministry with me. In other words, God's saying to Elijah, go back and do what prophets do. But this time, as you go, would you go equipped with the hope that you've received from me, having heard me speak in the stillness that I created for you? And for some of us today, maybe that's God's message for us today. Maybe God would say to some of us, what are you doing here? I don't mean here at CBC, I mean here in the away from the circumstance that God might have called you to. God might say to you, there's something I need you to do. Would you listen to my voice? And as you hear it, would you be encouraged? Would you find hope? And then would you go back? Since this morning, God might say to us, there'll be times as you've gone back and as you go back, when you'll feel discouraged, when you will feel hopeless, keep coming back to me and listening to my voice. There'll be times once you've gone back when you feel afraid and you feel unsure, when you lack confidence, but God says to you this morning, I've got something for you to do. Would you go back and do what prophets do? Go back and live faithfully in the wilderness to the place of everyday living. Now, I know what you're thinking, but I'm not a prophet. But I want to say to you this morning, but what are you? If you're a parent this morning, would you be encouraged this morning as you hear from God, I believe, to speak to you in a whisper and go back to faithfully doing what parents do? Do it faithfully and do it with hope. Maybe this morning you're a grandparent and the grandparenting task has been tough. You don't agree with some of the decisions that your own grown-up children have made. Well, go back to your grandparenting. Continue to do it faithfully and do it with hope. 
Maybe this morning you're called to look after a loved one who's not well. Would you hear this morning, God knows it's tough. He knows how tough it is. But would you go back to doing what you do, knowing that your care for that other person is thrilling the heart of God? And in fact, it's expressing the love of God to your loved one. Maybe you're somebody who's in business. I sense God would say to you this morning, go back and do what a business person does and continue doing it with integrity, even though it's tough. Maybe you're somebody who prays. Go back to praying like the people of God pray. Maybe you've got the gift of serving. Then go and serve. Maybe you've got the gift of giving. Then go and give something. Go back and do what God has called you to do. And then watch as he brings life out of the thing that you're ministering to. God knows that mission and ministry can be tough and we need to find him in the stillness to hear the encouragement that he gives, the hope that he gives to sustain us for the ministry that he's called us to. It's in the wilderness, that metaphor for everyday living where we're called to live faithfully most of the time. And sure, there are idols, there are temptations, there can sometimes be tough moments, but God wants us to live in the wilderness. He wants us to live in the ordinary place. You know, Jesus was so honest, wasn't he, about the reality of living real life in the real world. John 16, 33. In this world, you, have to, you will have trouble, but take heart, he says, for I have overcome the world. The one who's overcome the world says, I live within you by my spirit, and I'll equip you and I'll resource you. Do you know, I find so much encouragement seeing this incredible man of God, Elijah, living this kind of yo-yo experience of faith, because In reality, that's the story for most of us. Our life is lived in peaks and troughs. But so often real life, ordinary life, happens in the wilderness. As you read through Scripture, it's so often in the wilderness where most of the battles took place, but it's also the place where God had his greatest victories. As you read through Scripture, it's the wilderness where God's people are most desperate and most in need and most lonely But it's in the wilderness where greatest times of growth come. And God promises I'll be there with you in that place. You know, we may well enjoy the mountaintop experiences with God, and it's good that we do. But so often we get to know God intimately as we continue to live life in the wilderness. Do you know, God is is not only or even primarily the God of the mountaintops. Our God is also the God of the everyday and the ordinary And he equips us and he resources us living that life. In so many circumstances, the wilderness is the pathway to the place of peace. I want to share with you as I draw towards a close uh, a quote from Rick Warren, which I re-stumbled across this week. And I just think this is brilliant. It says this, In God's eyes, the greatest heroes of faith and not those who achieve prosperity. In God's eyes, the greatest heroes of faith are not those who achieve success. The greatest heroes of faith are not those who gain power in this life, but it's those who treat this life as a temporary assignment and serve faithfully. They're the greatest heroes. The ones who serve faithfully in the wilderness, in the ordinary places, all the while doing so with hope, expecting their promised rewards even in eternity. Would you be encouraged today as we finish 
this teaching series, not to look at the life of Elijah and think, do you know what? I need to be doing the amazing and the miraculous all of the time. Elijah didn't do that. Would you live your journey of faith, not constantly looking at the dramatic and that which is loudest, but would you live your journey of faith listening for the whisper that God would speak into your ear? Saying to you, you've got hope and you've got a reason for living. Would you live faithfully? Would you live as my spirit equips you and enables you to? To live this life glorifying your Lord and your Saviour Jesus. That's the best way to live and that makes you a hero of the faith. I spent way too long chasing after that which is most dramatic. I spent way too long listening to the noisy circumstances that try and determine the steps I should take. Maybe that describes you today. Would you join me as I seek to listen to the still, small voice of God, however he chooses to speak this morning? Would you be still and know that he is God?